back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. This is episode 147 of the Pineapple Couch. Good show for everyone today. Talking all things Super Bowl. Obviously the game, the MVP, the outcome. And as well, I'll be joined by Peter Gonzalez to talk about the Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness trailer, as well as the Moon Knight trailer. So, let's get into it. Alright, the first thing I want to talk about with the Super Bowl, the Rams getting that big win over the Bengals, 23-20. to And my biggest takeaway from this game was Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup, frankly, has been my biggest takeaway from this season of football, of just how incredible, absolutely incredible he was in the regular season and in the playoffs, and how he just seemed to elevate his game as the stage got even bigger and bigger. And so let's look at his season stats. He won the tr- receiving triple crown, so he led all in. He led everyone in touchdowns, catches, and yards. So, including his postseason stats, that's 22 touchdowns, 178 catches, 2,425 yards. Also, the offensive player of the year and the Super Bowl MVP. He should have been the regular season MVP. I very much think that. I think he sh- has a better case than both Ray- Brady and Rodgers. Um, And another thing that tells you how crazy this is about Cooper Cup is Jerry Rice is the only wide receiver in NFL history to win, besides Cooper Cup now, to have won the receiving Triple Crown, won Offensive Player of the Year, and won a Super Bowl MVP. And Cup did it all in one season. Cooper Cup had the best season of a wide receiver I have ever seen in my life. I'm not saying that Cooper Cup is the best wide receiver um, of all time, because there's Jerry Rice, and I think Jerry Rice is the best wide receiver of all time. I didn't get to see Jerry Rice as much as, obviously, people who lived through that era, but the one thing is, is Cooper Cup can have the greatest season of all time, but Jerry Rice can still be thought of as the best, because we have to factor in that Cooper Cup is playing in an era where it's a lot easier to pass the football. It's a lot easier specifically to pass the ball over the middle. I mean, people used to, like, literally get their heads blown off by safeties and linebackers catching it over the middle. And so the NFL rule changes have not only helped the quarterback, like I feel like most people focus in on, but they've also helped wide receivers. And that's not taking anything away from Cooper Cup, though, because he's just doing what's given to him. If you throw Jerry Rice in this era, I'm sure he would shatter every fucking record you can possibly think of. But that also doesn't take anything away from Cooper Cup, who was the MVP this season, and he proved it in the playoffs. I mean, think about the game against the Bucks, where they're winning by a fuck ton, and the Bucks storm back, and Stafford hits Cup over the middle for that beautiful, beautiful clutch play. And then in the Super Bowl, everyone knew in that final drive that Stafford was only going to Cup. He didn't trust the other white wide receiver because he dropped it into a pick earlier in the game. OBJ is out. Robert Woods obviously been out for a bit, too. And everyone and their mother knew he was going to Cooper Cup every single time. And great players make plays. And that's what Cooper Cup did on the biggest stage. It's it's honestly, it's unbelievable what this did, dude did. If you look at the like greatest wide receiving seasons in the history of the NFL, like I'll give you including the playoffs. And so some of, like, obviously, I think Jerry Rice's uh, numbers are affected a bit because there was less playoffs back then when he initially started playing. Well, definitely now that they've added an extra game. But let me go through the list. So, Cooper Cup this year, 2,425 yards. Jerry Rice in 2008 had 
1,977. Jerry Rice in 1995, 1965, 1,965 yards. And Calvin Johnson in 2012 had 1,964. And what's really impressive about that is Calvin Johnson I never made the playoffs. I don't think he made it that year. So, um, yeah, that's uh, it's fucking impressive as shit what Cooper Cup did. He, I mean, his playoff numbers, four games, 33 receptions, averaging 8.3 a game, gets 42 targets, catches 78% of them, 478 yards, averaging 119 a game, 14.5 yards per reception, 206 yards after the catch, six touchdowns, 19 first downs, and had a 70-yard reception. Other than fucking up that throw in that game, Cooper Cup is the main reason the Rams won the Super Bowl. And that's not discrediting Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, Sean McVay. They're all big reasons of it. But what Cooper Cup did this year was special. And he should have got the damn MVP. Because, I mean, when you look back at this season, 10 years from now, 5 years from now, what is going to be the thing that everyone talks about? Like, for example, when you think back to the 16-0 Patriots season, like 2007, you think about that team, and then you think about them getting upset by the Giants. And there's plenty of other examples of this. But when you look back on this season, I think the story is going to be Cooper Cup lit the NFL on fire and had the best single season of a wide receiver has ever had, and he and Matt Stafford won the Rams a Super Bowl include Aaron Donald, Sean McVay, that. But Cooper Cup, MVP of the playoffs, MVP of the Super Bowl, should have been MVP of the regular season. But let's talk about the guy who was throwing him the ball, Matt Stafford. Um, a lot of debate, unfortunately, coming in the, like, the, the day after the dude wins a Super Bowl, finally, after being stuck with shitty teams in Detroit. Sorry, Stephen, but it's the truth. Um, Richard Sherman and everyone, it's all immediately going to the is he a Hall of Famer conversation? Keep in mind, his career is not over. But is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? Matt Stafford, he now has a Super Bowl. I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I think at this rate, a lot of quarterbacks from this era are going to be put in the Hall of Fame because of stats. And it's also like... In an era where the passing game is easier, it makes more sense that you have these elite quarterbacks. And so... I think Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer because of the standards of the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's necessarily that fucking hard to get into the Hall of Fame when you're a quarterback who's won. Okay, that sounds terrible. It is incredibly hard to be an NFL Hall of Famer. But I think the standards for it aren't as strict as it used to be or we think they are. So um, I do think Stafford's going to get in the Hall of Fame. And I think when it's all said and done, have him play a couple more years, get some more playoff wins under his belt, add more stats to it. Hey, maybe they make another Super Bowl run. I think by the time he retires, it will be a no-brainer that he is a Hall of Famer. Right now, I say, yeah, he's probably a Hall of Famer. But it's not like he's retiring. At least I don't think he is. So uh, Richard Sherman, though, always willing to chime in on stuff. And he goes... Uh, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. I don't plug other podcasts. I don't know what it's called. Just kidding. I actually don't know what it's called, though. Um, he says the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now. It's like a participation trophy. No all-decade team. No all-pro. No MVP. One Pro Bowl. Not even MVP of the Super Bowl. Never e considered the best in any year he played. At least Ryan, Matt Ryan has an MVP. So this is him talking about Matt Stafford. And 
while that can be true, I don't think that that is the bar that the Hall of Fame is. And so he's he's recognizing that, but I think he's also diminishing Stafford. I think Stafford is an incredible player, and he was stuck in a just all-time shitty situation. And again, this argument is all going to go away after three or four more years of him being with McVay in L.A. I think that it'll be pretty much a no-brainer that Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer. And, I mean, Super Bowls, rings, it talks. Like, it that matters a lot. And he has one. And it's not like, oh, well, he wasn't very good. He got he lucked into it. He was like a Trent Dilfer getting there to the Super Bowl. No, Matt Stafford's a baller. And he was elite in the postseason this year in critical moments. And um, when you look at him all time, I mean, right now, Right now, he's number 11 in completions, number 12 in touchdowns, number 12 in yards. He's got one Pro Bowl. First of all, let's also acknowledge Pro Bowl. Do we really care about the Pro Bowl? No. No one does. Comeback player of the year, and he's a Super Bowl champion, and he has still more time to play. So you're going to see his um, his ranks in those categories go up even more. I think Matt Stafford is pretty much a no-brainer Hall of Fame. Um, speaking of people who may be on their way to the Hall of Fame, and I know it's early for this guy, but the youngest Super Bowl coach, or the youngest coach to ever win a Super Bowl is Sean McVay. He does it at 36 years old. I believe two years ago, was it two or three years ago when the Rams played the Patriots? He must have been 33, 34, so I'm assuming he was the youngest coach to ever coach in a Super Bowl at that point, so he gets that. A lot of speculation coming out about, is Sean McVay going to retire? Um... He wants to go spend time with his family, this, that. I think he's too much of a gamer to give up on football. And I do think this is kind of like a posturing move by him to get himself more money. Apparently, there's a standing deal from Monday Night Football that they'll give him like $10 million a year to do that. And I think this is his way of maybe getting more money in his next contract, Whether that, because I believe that negotiation is up this offseason. Because this dude's not stepping away from football. Not after he finally got the quarterback he's always wanted. Sorry, Goffster. I love you, Jared. But Stafford is much better for McVay's scheme, obviously. And um, I do not think he is walking away from this team at all. I think that was just a headline because there was a lack of like controversy, I guess, for them to talk about in Super Bowl week. Because I... I think that's that's like Tom Holland when he's saying like he doesn't he's not sure if he's gonna play Spider Man anymore. It's like Tom Holland, of course you are. You're gonna get paid so much fucking money. So that's what they're doing. That is what they are doing there. Um, and then speaking of that as well, retirement. Aaron Donald. Uh, there has been some speculation about that. I believe Rodney Harrison brought that to the forefront. I don't like that guy. I really don't like anyone on the NBC crew of their pregame at all. I obviously love Al Michaels and I love Chris Collinsworth, but all the others, I'm just they're the worst but um Aaron Donald uh Diana Rossini she uh, tweeted that Aaron Donald just told me he's going to take some time before he makes a decision if he's going to retire or not he just wants to be in the moment here there was talk about how Aaron Donald might hang up the cleats after this year because he's accomplished so much already you know he's uh been a defensive player of the year he's been on like eight all pro teams he's now won a Super Bowl like the dude's just a stud and he is already he's a first ballot hall of famer he's climbed the mountain so many are thinking like maybe he's done after this and he was adding smoke to that fire or kindle to that fire i'm not really sure what that saying is i hope i didn't fuck it up too much but um with aaron donald 
I mean, shit, guys. I don't have inside sources. I know as much as you guys do. I would be surprised if he walks away. I mean, I could see him retiring young, like a guy like Patrick Willis did, because these guys kind of can see, like, hey, I don't want to be colliding into 250-pound dudes for 20 years of my life, That so and I have head trauma later in my life. I get that. But I do think, in a way, similar to McVay, Aaron Donald, I don't think he's going to walk away if this team comes back next year and they have all the pieces and they can make another run at it because he's a competitor. He wants to win more. I I would bet on Aaron Donald coming back. Um, on the Cincinnati side of this game, uh, Eli Apple got absolutely torched by Cooper Cup on um, – that final drive, I mean, like, shit, it was four completions to Cooper Cup for 41 yards, two touchdowns, and 113.7 pass rating. That was over the game when Eli Apple was covering, uh, when Stafford was targeting Eli Apple in coverage. And on that last drive, Cooper Cup was abusing him. And Eli Apple, I believe, is the um, most hated player in the NFL by far he's talked a lot of shit pissed off a lot of fan bases the chiefs the saints the ravens i'm probably missing some others but after they lose and he gets cooked all game receivers sounded off because he said some comments and shit to uh the chiefs players last week um or two weeks ago after they beat them and so mccall hardman tweets at him at eli apple wish he was a better corner bro then the game winning touchdown wouldn't been scored on you and then he also posted a photo of his championship ring from uh, last season, or two seasons ago, excuse me. And he says, uh, at Eli Apple, it's cool, big bro. You might get one of these one day, but in the meantime, just go get better at your craft. Um, oh, my God. It, and he's like, even more things are coming out. Let me pull it up. Uh, Tyreek Hill, a bunch of crying, laughing emojis. Um, Rashad Bateman posts an apple. Hollywood Brown says Apple Pack gonna hit hard in LA, meaning he's getting burnt. Um, Lamar Jackson's posting memes of him with sunglasses, smoking a cigarette on the sidelines, laughing. Um, is this CD Lamb, CD Deuce? Let's look up this live right now. Who is this Twitter account? Oh, he's some dude on the Saints. Okay, so he's he's joining in. Uh, Mike Thomas tweeting Eli going to Eli. Uh, Daryl Williams laughing about it. I mean, he just gets cooked, and I've never seen a dude really take this much of a beating on Twitter. There's all those memes of Sean McVay handing him the game ball for how bad he was and how he helped the Rams. So, yeah, I mean, if you talk a bunch of shit and you don't back it up, you're going to get blasted, especially because he was tweeting. It wasn't like he was just talking shit on the field. He was tweeting at, like, Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman if they wanted Super Bowl tickets. And it's just a weird flex. Um, on this Bengals team, though, I can. Uh, what I'll say is this: so they had an incredible run this year, very impressive. You t tip your cap to them, but they also got incredibly lucky. They played the Raiders in the first round of the playoffs. Okay, they played the Titans with a Derrick Henry coming off an injury in his first game back, and Ryan Tannehill looking like absolute dog shit, and they beat them. And then they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. That's the most impressive thing, and that's that's fucking hard to do, but. Did Patrick Mahomes have, like, a brain aneurysm in the second half of that game? So they were handed. They got really lucky this year, and that's what a part of becoming a champion and winning it all in the NFL because it's do or die every game is you got to have some luck. But 
I bring this all up because it's going to be tough for them to repeat this. Joe Burrow is young, but it's not like this is just going to keep happening over and over again that they're going to be in the Super Bowl every year. It doesn't matter how good you are. Look at Aaron Rodgers. So with if you're a Cincinnati, you got to be really bummed because this was such a golden opportunity to get a Super Bowl finally for Cincinnati. And the Rams, they, I mean, they couldn't run the ball. Yes, Cooper Cup went off down that at the end but I mean they held him under 100 yards OBJ gets hurt a lot of things went the right way fell the right way for the Bengals this playoffs and I mean when you look at the AFC you obviously got the Chiefs you got the Bills you got the Ravens you've got the Chargers you've got the Raiders you've got the Colts you got Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville you obviously I can't believe I didn't mention the Patriots already with Bill Belichick Mac Jones I mean the AFC is no cakewalk so it's it's not guaranteed that the Bengals are going back to a Super Bowl anytime soon. I think Joe Burrow will, but um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing with Joe Burrow is he did show great like confidence and he was clutch in certain moments. His stats weren't that staggering in this postseason. You could respond, well, he won, and that's all that matters. Well, yes, that's true until the Super Bowl. But if I were to look at young quarterbacks in the league of who I would want, now that I'm kind of out of the recency bias of holy shit, Joey Burrow's in the Super Bowl, and I'm tr- and maybe this is also a little recency bias though of watching him lose, but I feel pretty confident in this. Like I would way rather have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert than Joe Burrow. Way is a stretch, but I would rather have those three over him. Is that really a shot at Joe Burrow? Because I think those other three are incredible, and I think that Joe Burrow is also an elite quarterback. I just think the the other three physically. I mean, they can just sling the ball so damn far. And that's what it comes down to with that. Um, But, hey, good run by the Bengals. I'm really glad, uh, to be honest, though, that Joe Burrow didn't get a ring because then Herbert's just starting down one ring on him. And, you know, I want Herbert to be the best quarterback from that class. So, a fun Super Bowl. Uh, It's going to be just absolutely awful every Sunday for the next, like, six months without football. But, bear in with us we'll be doing some stuff we'll be doing some nba obviously talking some superhero marvel star wars and when baseball season rolls around hopefully the lockout isn't too much of a a killjoy i mean i hope it's not it doesn't last too long uh but we're crossing our fingers for that so thanks for listening to this little super bowl segment i'm gonna next be joined by peter gonzalez to talk about two of the trailers that we saw during this super bowl uh I'll end this with, I mean, Cooper Cup, MVP, shout out to you, God. All right, we'll be right back, guys. All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Friday, February 18th, and this is episode 147, a great pod for everyone today, a big nerd pod. You know how we like to do it here on the Pineapple Couch. We're going to be talking about the Book of Boba Fett finale Stranger Things news, as well as some Doctor Strange trailer breakdown and a Moon Knight uh, trailer breakdown. We went very in-depth on the Doctor Strange, though, because that movie looks like a certified banger, and I'm very excited because it's going to be certainly a roller coaster. But today, we're talking the end of season one of Boba Fett. First, and to do this, I'm joined by my good friend, Peter Gonzalez. Peter, how are we doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to... Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about Boba Fett. It's finale. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you guys can tell as an audience, like we get we get these reviews out decently quickly. This one, it was just I had no interest, and it wasn't that I had no interest. It was just 
I don't know. We'll get into the show because kind of the show doesn't make sense. And the overall question I have about Book of Boba Fett is why? But we will get into that, Peter. Um, in terms of the finale, let me sum it up with like two sentences here. Basically, the Pikes and Cad Bane are telling Boba to step down. And he says no. They fight. And Boba beats the people on the ground by the use of the Rancor, help from Mando. Grogu comes back. And in this time, Fennec Shan goes and just kills the Pike leaders. Which leads me to the question, why didn't she just do this in the beginning and take them out? And then none of this would have happened. You know what I mean? I do. But, like, the beginning, we had to, like, do the whole backstory of how he got out of the so-and-so and into the changing mm-hmm. and coming up with that again. And... It was the show was tedious. I think that's the way I would put it. Like it was, mm. it was, it was hard. It was. The, it's just such highs and lows, and we'll get into that in a little more depth, specifically. But, but are the um, highs involving Boba? No, right. and the highs. The thing with the highs is I like them, but do they necessarily make a ton of sense? You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So Peter, let's just look at some of the bigger moments of this episode. And because a lot happens and there's a lot of fan service, but I think this show is kind of a demonstration of kind of it mirrors or it's the opposite of Spider-Man No Way Home, which had a lot of fan service because they made the fan service make sense. And then this is just kind of like a clusterfuck of stuff going on. So in the finale, a really cool moment was when Mando and Boba fought together using their jetpacks. That was a very, very great moment in this show. Was it really necessarily earned this season? No. It was only reason it made sense seeing them fight together was because of what we saw in Mando and that bond. Um, what did you think about that moment? Um, and then you can go into some other stuff about what this finale. So that moment, I thought, I mean, it was cool. It's cool always to see the two, the Mandalorian mm-hmm. armors fighting side by side. But again, I think you said it perfectly. It wasn't earned. Like, I mean, what we knew this was happening because of we've seen Mandalorian season two, so we knew it was possible, was capable. But again, Boba never really stood on his own. I felt like this entire show, and so mm, therefore, never he had to bring in Mando to kind of make it cooler. And it just felt, I think, in all the whole the whole finale battle situation didn't work for me because we, when we talked about it before, how we thought it was going to be this big scale battle situation but it was really the smaller type little battle finale which i think if we look at shows like the marvel shows which is easy to compare to like wanda vision took place in westview but you still had the moving parts separated mm-hmm. but it still felt bigger in scale whereas here everything was just kind of brought down to this like street fight and i get that it's a western vibe i get it it was so obvious during this show especially mm-hmm. this finale but it just didn't feel like you, I think yeah. you said it best. It's just like too much going and nothing cohesive. Well, it, I think what's important in these types of shows is when there is action and when there is a big fight like this, you need to somewhat give a shit about who they're fighting against. And so, like in this finale, outside of Cad Bane, because Cad Bane really isn't there until the except for a part in the beginning and in the end, he's not involved in like the big fight necessarily it's more one-on-one so like all the people that they're fighting against before that are just no names where it's like okay it's just dozens and dozens of like pike syndicate members running out and it's like that video game where it's just like 
you just get waves and waves of people coming out. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, this would be cool if we gave a shit about these. It's just kind of like random aliens dying over and over again with no backstory, really. So that I don't think it wasn't that cool because I didn't give a shit about the fight between them. I only cared about Cad Bane. And let's talk about Cad Bane. Cad Bane's awesome. He dies at the end or he loses in the fucking five second fight they had, which I thought was so lame. I don't think he's dead because of the beeping that was going on after. But um, he's a cool character and they gave us four seconds with him, basically. I I don't get it. See, what I, here's my thing with that. I don't want that to be what happens with John Krasinski as Reed Richards in Doctor Strange 2, where it's just like, here's the fan service, but now they're out of here. Like, yeah, that it sucks. was just to show you something. Because it was, you didn't think Bobo was going to lose against him. Like, there was no, like, sense of dread. He's going to mm-hmm. die here, or he could die. It was like, he's going to figure it out. Of course, he's going to use this, the Tuscan Raider skills to do it, because that's part of his new skill set. But again, it just doesn't feel, it was just such a small blip of a battle. Like, oh, okay, here we're going to fight. And to your earlier point about how nothing really felt like we cared about them, like when the girl from the biker motorcycle gang was like had the team up moment with the Freetown people, and like mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, let's work together." I had we don't have enough connection. Yeah, to I them don't care at all because the, we the episodes just touched upon them briefly, and I think part of what it was a disservice to this show, even though it was it was the highs of the show, was that so much of the attention went to Mando. Because I feel like those moments that we've spent so much time with Mando would have benefited these characters and this overall story. But at the same time, the Mando stuff was so much better than yeah. everything. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because it's like, if they would have taken the time that they used uh, Mando in, yes, you're telling a more complete Boba story, but maybe then none of us would have cared at all. Because the Mando was the stuff that really, like, I think drove this season. Um, another thing I want to talk about is the return of Grogu. They do it in kind of a weird way in the middle of a battle, but the Grogu uh, Mando relationship is something that is, it's just money. It'll work. Um, and we get to see Grogu and the Rancor. We'll talk about the Rancor in a bit. But um, so was the purpose of Book of Boba Fett, Peter, literally to make sure that by Mando season three, Grogu is back with Mando? Because, yes, it was a big deal when Luke took Mando away, but it kind of just was like, okay, now he's back. It's just, and I like it, but man, the whole show with Boba, I'm just like, why? What is the point moving this story forward? The only thing I think it provides moving forward is... Grogu's back with Mando. Yeah. In all honesty, it, ha- it had the same amount of un... It, like, it, does, it doesn't have... It doesn't serve the bigger story other than, as far as Star Wars series go, other than it was like, Mando got to pop in, do his things, be reunited in this show, so now mm-hmm. his season three can focus on more pressing issues and we kind of alleviate this and wrap it up here this whole reunion happens here and it's done because where does Boba Fett go from here? I mean, they haven't talked to season two or kind of just not there. And just even the post credit scene is kind of just like, why do I care? Yeah, that was such a bad post credit scene. Such a bad post credit scene. I think, here's what I think why Boba Fett happened. 
Um, and this is, uh, I'm taking this from my guy Josh at the Den of Nerds. So basically, um, there was a huge rumor that Pedro walked off the set of season two for multiple weeks during the film of Bando due to conflicts between him and Favreau, Filoni, whatever. And so, and who knows if it was completely solved. Maybe it's still not that much fun to work with. But what John Favreau realized is that, hey, I can have some, if he's wearing the helmet, I don't need to have Pedro here. I can have somebody step in like they've done so many times and like they did in season two. And then you can have Pedro do voiceovers. And the other thing is, so he's like, okay, I'm, I'm not being able to work with Pedro very well, right? Here's what I'll do. I will continue the Mando story so it doesn't just go cold for three or four years while we figure this out by intermixing it with a show titled Boba Fett. So I'm not contractually obligated to pay Pedro and have Pedro be there because if it was called the Mandalorian in his contract, he has to be there. There's all this payment. So this is like him sidestepping that so he could just continue to tell the story and not be contractually obligated to have Pedro be the guy in the stunt double because the show is not named after him. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And it's and it's just so frustrating just when you see that there are situations when the talent and the creatives are at odds because I'm a hundred percent team Favreau, just saying. Well no, yeah, and it's like because like it's like you said, it's such an easy, easy in quotations role. I mean he literally doesn't have to do all that much if he doesn't want to, mm-hmm. he can just do the voiceover. But it's like and it's just kind of disheartening the fans too sometimes when you see people like on the opposite end, when you see someone like Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield who came back to play these roles because they're so passionate about them. So when you see this kind of thing, it's just kind of like, yeah, like you don't it's... want, so you don't want to see your parents fighting type of thing. Like you don't want to be around that. You just want to see the good stuff. Well, and but you know what also doesn't make sense is after season two of Mando, which is arguably one of the biggest shows in the world, Mando, I would say when it's running, Pedro signs a big deal to film the movie The Last of Us, a video game ap- adaptation. Instead, of, so it like murkies his schedule with Mando. Like, what are you doing? It's like that doesn't make sense to me. But I also heard that Mando's basically almost done filming too, which is yeah, weird. It should, it should have came out a year ago, though. It's weird when so again when these shows have this giant freak of time between them, it, it kind of destroys the momentum, which makes sense as to why Book of Boba Fett happens. And in in that sense, we'll probably see Mando pop up in in. Uh, her name Jedi Ahsoka, Ahsoka series as well, for all for that matter, just because it continues to build bridge and pepper him throughout until mm-hmm. we eventually get to season three when they work out their issues and come to an agreement of sorts. If Mando season one and two are in an MCU comparison, Iron Man, Book of Boba was the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but let's talk about the Rancor. Um, a lot of people thought this was cool online, Boba fighting the Rancor, but to me, I kind of was like, eh, because it's another way that Boba isn't is like kind of having someone else fight his battles for him. I just wasn't that intrigued by the Rancor as I thought. I, I just thought I was like, okay, you're riding the Rancor. See, you, you basically like sketched that out for us. We knew that was going to happen. I don't know. I would have liked had we had more of those foreshadowing of like when we first saw the Rancor with Danny Trejo and how it was like, 
he was talking to it. Like if it would have like been trained against Boba and then Boba mm-hmm. would have like converted it basically. But again, we didn't put effort into that side of the story for whatever reason. So yeah, he's on top of this thing, but at the same time, it's like, and okay, you had to bring this in to help you. He was, it's, it's the, he's not standing on his own. And I feel like the more this show went on, the less cool Boba Fett became from OG Boba Fett. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, one little thing. Do you did you see the clip that was going pretty viral? Of it was the the one of the dudes from the gang, like the 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 speed bikers. He has like the monocle mm-hmm. one that helps him zoom in, and he's fighting, and he just does a spin move in the middle of the battle for no reason and shoot. It's like, what are we doing here? They, I, I know this is gonna sound dramatic. They didn't quite reach the level, but that gang, flag smasher vibes. Flag Smasher vibes, but even, I think even just like the whole, the whole presentation, the whole color, the whole palette on them, like the whole costume, motorcycle, motorbikes, was like the worst of Phantom Menace into one thing, and just like it doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And having what what something was so what was so good about Mando is like that. Yes, he's having these conflicts with maybe like in some episodes. Not the big bad, but everything's kind of tied back to this big bad Moth Gideon, which is really cool. And here it's just this like faceless fish alien that gets assassinated in a half a second. And it's like there's no like bigger picture in terms of that, which I think caused it to struggle. And which that's where I think like if uh, Amelia Clark's character showed up or you tied it to Moth Gideon or something like that, where you have like, oh, okay, this is what they're going to. Instead, it's just like. Like you said, like we get the weird post credit scene. What's what's coming next? I don't I, I don't know what's coming with Boba. Is there gonna be a part two? Probably, but I don't really care. And I think it's hard because I think it's just it, it's a, it was a hard show to get behind because now you're kind of just like you're not really looking forward to anything next. Whereas with Marvel, yeah, we have speed bumps like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but still we are we have that institutional investment where we're like mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna things will be okay we're gonna be all right and Whereas that here, show sets up stuff for the future even if it's like not that great it does like this yeah Sorry, but it's like going. so what is this gonna set up it's like what i mean okay i guess it sets up mando so that's like the one the takeaway from this it set up a show that didn't need setting up <laughs> yeah basically so, um, okay, let, now let's look at this show as a whole. And they go through the characters. We'll go through the highs and lows. Mando very is a high of the show. His episode, uh, episode five, was unbelievable. The first one we get with him with the Darksaber and all that stuff. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed his time in episode six, going to get Grogu and having to leave him there. And then Mando is way more of a badass than Boba Fett in this final battle. So that's cool to see. Mando provides us with Grogu, Luke, and Ahsoka, which, Peter, saved the series. It did, because I was not on my phone whenever they were on the screen. I was like, I'm not on my phone. I am invested. When they weren't on the screen, I'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, Oh, okay, this is happening. It just, yeah. So Luke just sent Grogu in a, a, a ship by himself back to Mando? Well, I don't think Luke's ever... I think I think it's, again, speaking to Luke's journey to jadedness of just, like, not being other than, like, Archie, to go take him. I, I don't need to be a part of this. Yeah, like, he came off go. as such a prick. 
I got it. But that's Luke Skywalker at the end of the day. I know, but, 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 but. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be Luke Skywalker. Those dumbasses for episodes seven, eight, and nine. I don't talk about this too much, but they just suck. And they destroyed Luke. They destroyed Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. That was absolutely dog shit. And the fact that now we have to have this shit where we're watching Luke in a show and he's acting like a douchebag. Well, it's like, oh, well, that's where he's going. And it's like, yeah, but what the fuck? But I think the groundwork was there. I think the groundwork was there in episodes four, five, six. I think it was under, it was there. Like he wasn't the... I, I think it was there. I think I think we need to do a rewatch because I think the groundwork was there for his I don't think progression. So. And then you re- you have to realize this, the, their lineage. Him and Leia both had Anakin and Padme as who their parents were going to be. So it makes sense what ends up transpiring. I think it makes sense. It makes sense. Was it executed sense. well? No, but I no, think, it was a terrible I idea. Think, I mean, like I. I get a level of jadedness from Luke, but just to the level it was, I didn't like it. And then don't even get me started on the fact that he like force ghosts himself to another planet that they just tried to make like Hoth. But they're like, let's have it be salt. So it's red. It's like, what the fuck? And then he uses so much force that he just like dies. It's just. What are we doing? So as you say that, though, the using the force that basically causes them to basically die. If we've been watching Grogu, Grogu got exhausted left and right. So that in itself ties back into the exhaustion level. But at the same time, he's supposed to be the Jedi Master, so he should be able to have a mastery over the force and not just do that. Yeah, and it's like, like, if you were to tell me, like, like, that's an insane amount of force power, I guess, like, you could use it all. But it's just like, you're Luke Skywalker. Take a damn ship and go there. I don't know. It Peter, Maybe he how, how did they not time. have Han, Luke, and Leia in a scene in that trilogy? How did you how do you not do that? I how think did, it's poor planning. They were waiting for like the last movie. What are you doing? Do you think I I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not upset with you, Peter. I'm up, just upset with the fact that Dave Filoni and John Favreau now have to tell these because we know the end point of it, and it's just so, so to that end point, the whole scorpion droid thing, I was like, we don't have this in the future in the five in seven eight nine. Why do we have it here? And it's suddenly just going to disappear. Yeah, that to me was like it was a cool again, callback Phantom, to Phantom like, Menace and you know the early mm-hmm. days. But if we're not going to have it later. We shouldn't have it here in the middle because that's like what the technology just disappears for this cool thing that can do a lot of damage. Yeah, I I agree. Um, okay, we've talked about Boba. Boba let us down. The Sand People, Tusken Raiders. Um, they clearly had an influence on Boba, and I think Episode Two, if I'm remembering correctly, was pretty good with them. And they had a redemption arc in a sense, mm-hmm. but I mean, at the end of the day, is the redemption arc enough to make you forget that they ended up, eventually they killed Anakin's mother, which sent him down his dark spiral as well further? Yeah, and it's like, you know what would have been more effective? I know they died, but if maybe half of them survived them fighting in that final battle, we would have cared a lot more than the other people. Yeah. Because they actually spent time setting it up for some reason. Because three-town people came from Mando's show. So that's why we cared about them. So it's like, that's how we knew. But it's like, otherwise, why would we have cared about random people fighting in this thing? Exactly. Uh, Fennec Shan, 
Really, I think this series, in a weird way, helped her because, man, she makes Boba look like such a beta. She does all the dirty work. She's She is the badass of the two now. And so I hope she continues to have a role in upcoming projects outside of Boba. I don't mind if she shows up with Boba, but give me some solo Fennec Shan like we got in um, Bad Batch, the animated series when she fights Cad Bane. I watched that, Peter. I watched I'm that. I'm not surprised. Not surprised. Um, the Pikes. What'd you think? I never. Ca- I cared less. I cared more about the Flag Smashers than I cared about the Pikes. Like the Pikes to me were were just like I was like, okay, the Pikes, the Pikes, the Pikes. And yeah. Made me think of coffee, like Pike roast coffee. I was like, okay, but it was like it just wasn't the big bad that I was like. Yeah, they the were so lame. They, like, they keep talking about how gnarly these pikes are, and they were not gnarly in any way. So Yeah, that was, a, that was a, an L for sure. Um, last, I talked a bit about the Rancor. Uh, what overall thoughts that you had just finishing with the Rancor? Um, do we think we continue to see that in live action? Do we think it went well, or should they just keep it underneath? I think it needs to go underneath. But here's also my issue, which is maybe more of a, because I am such a fan of the Mandalorian, I think when we had the Rancor fighting Mando and then eventually Grogu ends up saving him, I feel like we've been there before. So they need to find a way to make the stakes seem more real and seem more like there's more tension to it. Because, yes, obviously Grogu's going to be able to put the Rancor to sleep. Like, that was never a doubt in my mind. Was it cool to see? Yes. But after all that we've seen... My expectations are maybe at a point where I'm like, let's kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit. Let's do things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Very repetitive, especially when it's like you put out such little content. Yeah. Um, what were your overall thoughts on Black Chrysanthemum, the Wookiee in this this show? Underused, misused, eating the melon at the end. And they were gonna like, oh, do you want to share the melon or something? I was like, what is happening here? I such a bad use of what could have been such a cool character. I don't think this show knew where it was going. I don't. And I think it's because it was it's like a bandaid for Star Wars. It's literally like they're putting a bandaid over not being able to film Mando early. I don't know Um, the pacing of the show. I mean, we've beaten this like a dead horse. It made no sense. Um, I let's let's finish it with this, Peter, and then we'll talk about something that uh, we're a bit more excited about Stranger Things. Um, do you have a theory other than the one we've talked about about why this show? Is there any other reason you could think of, like why do this show? Why go this way? Was it just a swing and a miss, or is it the band aid? Like I was mentioning, what what are your thoughts on that? I think it was definitely a nod of fan service. To be like, you guys loved Boba Fett. He wasn't explored fully. Let's explore him. At the same time, this can serve as a bridge between series. And like you said, maybe it is a way to include Pedro without including Pedro. But at the end of the end of the day, it swung high. But when you start off the show so slow and in such a weird time, the way it would jump between present, past, and without being clear, it just did not stick the landing it didn't it didn't get to where would i rewatch this show i would rewatch episode five maybe because that was like the highlight of the show but this one i would i don't think i would 
because it is so um i finished showing um uh, my mom and sister mandalorian season two and it's i told them i was like we're gonna watch boba but i'm gonna basically skip one through four we'll start episode five that's all you really need to know and even yep. then it's like do you even need the rest of the show i don't know yeah all you need is like that five second clip of episode uh at the end of episode seven of them back together and show episodes five i'm and sure six. on youtube you can find just the yeah. mandalorian scenes of boba fett probably a banger um yeah so book of boba fett uh it was good content to talk about but uh not that good in the end um still fun to watch though let's go to something else here peter stranger things season four it's been a very very long time um it turns out that this season it's going to come out on May 27th and July 1st, and it is going to be twice as long as season three. So that's why they're doing two separate installments of it. Um, I'm very excited for this season because it's kind of they're selling it as the beginning of the end, which uh, season five will be the end of Stranger Things. I like that they have a plan and that they're not just kind of waiting to get renewed or like, fuck it, we'll go for longer. Like, I like that it's a concise story in a way. Um very, very excited, Peter, because we're basically in the posters given four groups, for lack of a better word. We have a group in Russia, which is Hopper, Joyce. Is it Joyce? Yes. Okay. Joyce and Murray, right? Yes. Those three. And then you have the group in California, which is um, Jonathan and Will Byers, Mike, who's going to visit Eleven, and then their new friend, the pizza dude. And so there's a photo of there's a poster of them. Eleven is not with them. Maybe they're going to go looking for her because we see an Eleven poster as well where she's alone. And it seems like there's going to be some sort of thing in Southern California that has a connection to the upside down or maybe the Southwest United States even. And she is going to be taken away from the group. And that group is going to have to go save her is the vibe I got. Um, and then the last thing is the Creel House is the group um, where you get Steve, you get um, Caleb, you get Dustin, you have Max, you have Caleb's sister, you have uh, what's uh, Mike's sister's name again? Nancy. Nancy. Uh, and they're dealing with this like murder mystery from 1958 where a whole family was killed and the husband was left to survive. He gets accused of it, but we're getting some hints that this might be a connection to the Upside Down. Whew, that was a lot of talking. Peter, save me. What do you What do you want to see happen in this season four of Stranger Things? What are some predictions you have? Let's just get into it. Well, I think the, the, the most accurate prediction that will be was that it is by the end of either part one or the end of season four, we will have everybody together because Stranger Things does that so well where they yeah. bring everyone together, all the storylines into massive set pieces. I like that we're kind of geographically really isolated and separated because what a better way to really take the characters out of their element than to put them in separate situations. I like that we do have the the Creel house. I like that that's kind of like an expanded Scoops troop, you know, the one we had with those mm -hmm. characters together because they really work together. I think that's oh, yeah. going to be a really rad vibe, whereas I feel like California is going to be more of like, okay, pay attention to what's happening, like really nitty gritty, look at the Easter eggs mm -hmm. and everything. And of course, Russia is going to be insane. Like the fact that we're yeah. doing this, and just and it was just so weird to me that like I saw this thing online where it's like when they started this show, like some of them were like thirteen, 
And now a lot of them are like 20 and it's just like, what is happening here? Like, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Um, and so it sounds like you're most looking forward to the Creel House group. Would that be, I think that so. True? I think I'm excited to see what, because I also feel like that's, it's the more humor. I like a little bit more of the humor and I feel mm-hmm. like that'll be, but at the same time, it does get, it looks, give some horror movie vibes. So I like the mashup of that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. that'll be more of a ride. I like your point of how you think they're all going to come together for that big set piece because I can't tell it was so freaking electric at the mall at the end of season three, getting everyone together. Um, okay. Here's like, here's a little, uh, this is off the rails question. Is there another member of our group besides will besides 11 that is going to be revealed, like has a connection to the upside down or something weird. Cause I've seen some max theories. That's interesting. I think the posters kind of obviously give off that vibe, and I, I think that would be quite... I think she could have the connection because of Billy. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something, the familial line, but it... Uh, yeah, it's maybe, weird. It's weird. I don't know. I, I just, It's just such an interesting dynamic that you do have such specifically carved out characters that all cohesively come together. Mm-hmm. In a way that, because if you think about it, Dustin also has a relationship that he had to the upside down with Dart. So there are certain touches that they all could do. Yep. And again, you also have the whole Russia aspect and angle and that we kind of touched upon in season three. So there's definitely a lot that could be happening with the characters. Do they end up back in Hawkins? Like, does the California group use a portal or drive back does the creel because the creel group's around there so they'll be there and the russia group takes a portal back is that is that where we think the finale of this season is or do we see it in some sort of like like in the trailers like that military base in like new mexico or whatever i don't i definitely don't think we end the season in hawkins i think if anything hawkins is a season five finale type situation mm-hmm. but i definitely feel like whatever's gonna Almost in a sense, like when in in the Jurassic movies when the dinosaurs got out into the world, I feel like that's how this season will end. Like the Upside Down is just going to be like exploded into the world type of vibes. Oh, yeah. It's basically just they have to go back to where it all began to kind of try to end. I mean, which makes sense to the whole every ending, beginning tagline. So I could see season five ending in Hawkins, but I don't think season four will end the set piece in Hawkins. Uh, Prediction? Um, Hopper and Mike will sacrifice themselves at the end of season five. Those are the two I'm sure of. And Steve, probably. Why would you do that to me? That's just... Those are my three favorite characters, too. I'm just saying. I'm uh... expecting that because I like them so much. That's what they're going to do to me. Okay, well, thank you. So now that's great. That makes me sad. That's sad. But no, I mean... You don't think there's going to be a sad-ass death at the end of season five. It's not going to be all happy at the end of this. No, there will there will be death. Of course there will be death. I think Eleven's, it, Eleven's not going to die. I don't think so. That's I, too I, predictable. And I mean, obviously we have the Eleven and Hopper reunion at some point, which is just oh. going to be like, just break everybody's hearts across the, the world. Oh, and we're going to get the introduction of like the other numbers oh, from yeah. that Brenner's lab. Which will... <laughs> Which is, I will say, the shakiest part of the series ever was Eleven's sister in the beginning of season three, I believe. Um, so that is an area where we got to tread lightly because I didn't like that. Ever, uh, apart from that, the series is perfect. I just didn't love 
That's like the seven? most skippable episode. You're just like, skip, skip, skip. Okay, and yeah. then we get to the end where they're all reunited at the... You know, it's it, there are... It's definitely not perfect, which, I mean, I don't expect any show to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for the most part, this show has a lot that goes for it. And I think I trust it enough when they introduce new characters that they're going to be done well. I mean, season three gave us a further expanded role for Erica and for... I got my... Why am I blanking? Caleb's sister. That, well, that is Caleb's sister. Erica's oh, Caleb's sister. Okay. But the um, um, pizza guy. No, in season three, um, Nan. Uh, oh, Robin's co-worker, Robin. I feel like that was another great example of someone that they brought in that made Steve a better character too. So like everybody plays off of each other super well, and I think this will only be a further example with the new characters, mm-hmm. which there's supposed to be a lot of new characters. Well, yeah, there's the two there's the two bullies we see in the commercial from California or the trailer. And one of them, I'm pretty sure, has a connection to the outside down from some stuff I've re- upside down from what I've read. Like that's that's one thing. Um, one thing I would like to just say is my guy, Steve, that dude's going to be disheveled at the end of this season. He's going to be so beat up. My God, give my guy a break. One season. Can he not just be half beaten to death at the end of it? Christ, they just. I mean, it, it gets worse and worse every season. I don't think he's going to die in season four at all because they just like to hurt him and let him live with it. It's unreal. Can you imagine if, like, Dustin dies and he has to, like, see it or, like, isn't able to save him or, like... Oh, my God. That's where we get... I mean, you know, that's another way to heartbreak and just break. I mean, he's, like, he's their baby's there. He's their mom. He's there. He's, that's his character. And it's so far from season one when he was, like, the most hated character to season three where it was just, like... Yeah, what a what a what a journey for that guy. Um, also, I would say like the thing I'm looking forward to most in this season, surprisingly, is California. I'm a giant Jonathan Byers fan, and now my dude's smoking weed. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think that uh, I'm a big fan of Mike too. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters, and the only reason is he, you know, that band Twin Peaks. I like. Yes. He's like homies with them, and like they produced his album. Like his that's soul, dope. Soul he has a, he has some good music. I have, mm. I've checked out his music. I have. Um. So that that'll be interesting. I kind of get the vibe, and correct me if you don't agree, but I get the vibe like so. Mike's coming to visit for spring break in California or something like that, and something's gonna happen right before he gets here, and Eleven's not gonna be there, so he's gonna basically have to just go searching for her immediately. Which I think is a which I think is his where his character shines best because I think I think that's a good way to do it and have it happen, and I he, think. Yeah, he's the best with Will by far, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And he's really good with Jonathan. They, and the Will they... is interesting. I, I, there's some stuff like Will can either be really hit or miss, um, but I also think actually he's mainly hit because we didn't have him at all in season one, basically, and he was all fucked up in season two. So I'm curious to see where they take him from here if he, in a way— if he has any sort of ability like Eleven from being in the Upside Down for that long, you know what I mean? I just wish they would give Homeboy a better haircut. Like, he's got, like, the worst haircut of the entire show. Oh, it's so bad. It is so bad, it's that so haircut. Cringe. And it's just like, why would pe- why was that okay for people in the 80s? Like, what, what, were, what were they thinking? What was going on with that? And I want to know what, happened with John- what happens with Jonathan and Nancy. They're destined. That's a ship I'm on, and so I still will. Because I've given up on the Steve Nancy. That's never going to happen. 
Steve needs to find someone. Steve just needs to, or maybe not. Actually, I would be cool if him and Robin Cuba platonic and are just like Steve's gonna die. Dies to the end. He's gonna die. He's gonna die. (laughs) Oh, great! That will affect everybody because every character has had an interaction with him where they've been like, where he's done something for them. No, Steve's the best. He's the best. He's or Hopper's the best, but then Steve. I don't know. I I like so many characters in this show. Um, Doctor Brenner. We believe we are going to be seeing him. Um, so we'll get a lot more of the backstory on Eleven. I think you're right, though, in terms of where the series is going at the end of the season. Maybe all hell will have broken loose. And then the season finale, they take it out, go back to Hawkins, some people die. They go to college. I don't know. Well, I think to that point, I feel like what's interesting in the announcement, which is which is a really well done announcement the way they did it because you kind of get chills while you're reading it because like you're seeing the nostalgia of how far we've come and where we're going but the fact that they're saying that there's still stories to be told in the world of hawk and the world of stranger things without our main cast is interesting because that's on tough. one hand i'm like i'm like if we have a full story where we're saying goodbye to the characters i'm okay like okay i will be sad that it's over but i will be happy for the time we had Am I opposed to, say, seeing more stories along the way of certain characters? Not necessarily, if done under the same creative umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be... um, I think it's going to be tough. I don't think that the Stranger Things world is... And I may be wrong, but I don't think it's capable, like tolkien's world of the lord of the rings or george r R. martin's world of westeros or jk rowling's world of harry potter mcu like to expand on that well i I don't know if it's earned that i don't think it has i mean not earned just the world building i don't i don't know but even as an example you know we've seen with um rowling and tolkien and martin it's like their extended universes have been hit or miss and our, the ones that haven't come out yet are also met with a lot of trepidation of, like, are people going to be on board with it or not? Whereas Marvel, because you have the comic book wealth, your world is able to stand more on its own outside of just mm-hmm. the OG Avengers. So I think this will be interesting to see what we build out in season. Yeah. And if we build out well, not build out like Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was, you know, not the greatest yeah. build out. So. Yeah, I feel... <laughs> I feel like the like why I don't think an expanded thing would necessarily work is because you're right. There's been expanded stuff that totally misses. But when it comes down to it, I still think I am interested in the like world Tolkien created on its own. Take out the characters. Still think it's pretty cool. Same with Westeros. Same with the idea of Harry Potter and that stuff. I think the I, I like the upside down, but I think it's my least favorite part of the show. I, my favorite part of the show is the characters by far. Like the upside down is a cool concept, but I think in this case, like they hit did hit such a home run with the actors in the casting, where that's what glues me. And maybe without them, I will still find the upside down interesting. But it's I don't know. I don't have the urge to explore more of the upside down. I rather have the urge to explore more of like these characters and how they're growing up compared to other things. Does that make sense? No, totally. And totally. And I guess to that point, are you a, when you, when you are, when the show comes out, are you someone that would, that spaces that out over time or? No, I'm going to binge binge all of them immediately. 
And I think this is an easier binge. Well, actually, maybe it's not because each episode is like two hours and it's not an easier binge at all. Mm. But I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be rad to do a binge of this one. Yeah. And so we will go through seasons one, two and three of Stranger Things leading up to that release. May is going to be a crazy so much content. You have Doctor Strange, Obi-Wan, Stranger Things. Obi-Wan and Stranger Things are like two days apart coming out. And that's going to be hard for Obi-Wan because... Oh, it's going to get its ass kicked, probably, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but especially after Boba. Had Boba built the hype correctly? Had we had a trailer maybe also for yeah. Obi-Wan at, say, Super Bowl or something? I yeah. feel like the hype would be there, but we don't really have a general population hype. Yeah, I've also heard that Darth Vader doesn't show up till like, episode four. So for that first three Another episodes... Another slow show. So exciting. First three episodes, you're going to... It's just going to be all Stranger Things. Um, so, yeah. Um, Peter, always a yes. pleasure. Uh, I, I thought we're that gonna... was a surprise thing. Actually. Oh, surprise thing. I do have that. He um, forgot the surprise, but I remember the surprise. In Thor 4, um, it is said that uh, I think that the Guardians will be around. I have two things for you. One leak okay. I heard is that Gore captures Nebula and Mantis and Thor has to go save them with the help of Drax. Interesting. Okay. The other and thing, doesn't Drax die in this movie? Yeah. Uh, no, Drax Allegedly. will die in Guardians 3. He's not going to oh, die okay. in Thor. Um, the other thing that I've seen is I've seen some like images leaked of basically Jane Foster's Mjolnir. It's called like in the comics like Yolnir or something. But basically, because it's shattered, it can take the shape of various things. And it's, like, held together with magic. So it's not just a, a hammer. It, um, some, some really weird ways they might be using it. And that might be a scene, of a still, of it coming together, maybe. Or maybe we'll get to see this kind of alternate version of Mjolnir that can be made into various items. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It does. Um, are you stoked for Natalie Portman coming back? I am. Well, I've been. In, I'm a. I'm a Natalie Portman stan. So mm. I'm. But I felt like she was always underserved in in Thor, and I'm even being like tossed out. They broke up, you know, in Thor. Yeah. Like it's like she's literally an Oscar-winning actress, and she's like she's in Star Wars and in Marvel. So it's like, how do we just like toss her aside? You know, so I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see... Because her and Chris Hemsworth have such a rad dynamic, too. And I feel like Taika is so good at really exploiting those dynamics and making movies fuller through them. So I think it's going to be a really interesting way. And especially, you know, she is, if they're doing where she's battling the health issues and the storyline, that'll add more complexity to their relationship. Yeah, all these movies are so big. <laughs> like this, like the level, like there's so many like third movies in the MCU kind of coming out right now, and even four. Um, okay, you said you're a uh, Natalie Portman stan. In my opinion, when you say you're a stan of somebody, like it's, I don't think it's that easy to be a RDJ stan because who doesn't like him? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So who would you say I am a stan of in the MCU that is not that not as popular? I have one. That I, because the world hates him and I don't hate him. So, Chris you know Pratt. Yeah, I don't. I think Chris Pratt is 
fucking hilarious. I think he's a great dude, and I don't understand. I, I, I mean, I know why people hate him. I'm not. It's pretty obvious why people hate him, and it's just kind of stupid. But, but I say I look at someone like Chris Pratt, and I feel like he's in the same vein as someone like Ryan Reynolds. What's like wrong with that? And it's like. But the thing that really Chris Pratt's funnier. He is way funnier than Ryan Reynolds. Come on, I agree. Parks and Rec. Chris Pratt is elite. So here's the thing. What really bothered me about the whole Chris Pratt of it all was when there was that thing, stupid thing on Twitter, like there are four Chris's and one has to go. Like you know how people do that for joking or whatever, and they do it about everything all the time. And that every like Marvel actor had to come in and defend. And stand up for Chris Pratt. And it's just like, it's a joke. It's not even like... I thought there was more context to that. I didn't think there was. I thought it was just people were saying, like, which one people liked more. And he just was not picked in the I, shuffle. But, but if I remember correctly, all the people, like, yes, they were not picking him. But then they were, like, saying, I'm not picking Chris Pratt because he is a racist or a homophobe or because of he attends this church. And so people were, like, coming out and saying, like, he's a good dude. But I, I don't know. I don't think he's a bad dude. Does he strike you as a bad dude? I mean, it strikes a little... It's a, some things, like, his, you know, his whole... That he said, have it really stuck the landing. That Like, when he talked about, like, his kids or, like, his first wife. Like, there's Oh, a yeah, I've heard there's some drama with that. Off-coloring remarks. But I feel like, for the most part, I don't have an issue with him. But I feel like he plays the same character in every movie. He's like Tom Cruise. He's like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, okay, yeah, for game, but yes, of course, but of course, Dwayne the Rock Johnson kind of opened the Super Bowl because he is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That was so cheesy. I didn't under. I was like, I we're in California, and I get you know the celebrity of it all, but like players are probably like, get the fuck off the field, dude. Why are you here? Like, you're yes, you probably are like more fit than most of the players, but like, shout out to me uh, betting the Super Bowl. I bet Cooper Cup to win MVP because I'm a genius. And what and does I, that mean? And you Cooper won. Cup. I won. He won the MVP. It was six to one. Felt good. So what does that mean? What did you win? What did I put down ten dollars and I won fifty? It was nice. Cool. Look at me, high rolling Cooper Cup. Um, okay. What should I run first? Should I run this or the Doctor Strange? Uh, you could run this first, and then you could right. be like, if you want to skip ahead to Doctor yeah. Strange. So Peter just Stranger made that. Things. Peter made the decision for us, folks. Uh, stay tuned because. Doctor Strange 2 trailer breakdown and Moon Knight coming out as well. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week, enjoying their February, spring, summer. Please come faster. Um, uh, we'll be here next week with more contests. Well said. We'll see you guys next time. God bless. Or no, not God bless yet. Stay and listen to the Doctor Strange. But of course, more blessings. Are you sure? More, yeah, God bless for right now. Stay tuned, though. Christ. All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob, joined here by Peter Gonzalez to discuss the Doctor Strange trailer that just dropped in the Super Bowl, right before the Super Bowl, actually, and it blew <clears throat> everyone's minds because it was so fantastic. So many little Easter eggs to talk about. There was a TV spot that was about 30 seconds, as well as like a two-minute trailer and a poster. Lots to talk about <clears throat> as Peter... I'm introducing you this way because you were right. This is the most anticipated movie of the year. I said it was Batman. It's Doctor Strange. You're right. I'm very happy to hear that. I'm glad this is on recording, too, that I was right mm -hmm. in this instance. And because I'm well, sorry, who knows Batman. how the audio is. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Batman. Like, as, as good as Batman is, Batman is basically our same story. 
just redone. But here mm-hmm. we have insanity building off of Spider-Man No Way Home, which as of today is now the third highest grossing of all time over Avatar. So what's so. It, is it Endgame in front of it in Infinity War? I believe so, yes. <clears throat> Damn. But you Mar- know they're just going to re-release Avatar again just to try mm-hmm. to beat the record because that's what they did last time. So does uh, you sent me something about this that the Spider-Man they're going they have like a hundred minutes of bonus content. Yes. Are they going to release that in the theaters potentially to try and make more money? You know, I think <clears throat> had it gotten nominated for an Oscar, which of course it didn't, no surprise there. I think there was more reason for it, but I think now, especially that it has crossed into third place, I think we saw it with Avengers Endgame where we had some additional footage thrown in. Not very much that was substantial, but yeah. this, I feel like there is such a wealth of Spider-Men interactions specifically out there that I think they would benefit from giving it just a little more, especially as we move into Doctor Strange too. Yeah, and who knows, maybe they end up saving some of that, Peter, for if they if Sony decides to go and tell more of Andrew or Toby's story. They could mm-hmm. use those interactions from No Way Home. So we'll see. Um, but we are here to talk about the Doctor Strange trailer and how we're going to go through this. It's a two-minute trailer, so if you haven't seen it, just hop what on over. What is wrong with you? It's still number two trending <clears throat> on YouTube right now, and that came out two days ago. Yeah, it's it's a great trailer, so go watch that and then come back here. And we're not going to take you step-by-step step through it because I don't think that's a very interesting way to cover a trailer. We're basically going to just switch off taking turns on like what – happened what's a big thing that we saw that we want to discuss and that will help us better understand what we're going to be seeing in this movie so peter i'm going to let you go first because you were tweeting a lot about this i think i know what you're going to bring up it is the confirmation of something we've been hoping for a certain person that was the star of a disney plus show taking a turn that you are delighted to see i just lost my shit when it happened when i saw it in the trailer it was the confirmation Just the culmination of everything that, as a proper Wanda stan, as as a comic book stan, you want this storyline to play out. You want to see Elizabeth Olsen take Wanda, full, unhinged villain, and push it past what we had in WandaVision, which the trailer did have some callbacks to Westview, which were so dope. But just to see the way the character arc that this character is having is insane and we are finally going to have Wanda as the villain yeah and I'm I'm so excited for it and I there is like you mentioned Wanda stands it's crazy on Twitter like Wanda has a like army and these people don't want her to turn bad which I don't really get because and this might trigger you if you're a giant Wanda fan I've read the comics for forever the only cool Wanda stories are when she goes bad I'm sorry they're the only ones that are entertaining and that's, and a, that's not even a hit. Is, it's essential to her character. And to that point, I think that this is going to do what we were kind of not fully given in Civil War, where you de- where you had, you know, they were against each other, but it was never fully... The reasoning was never something that was, like, tangible. Like, okay, I yeah. fully want them to be against each other. Here, Wanda is fully committing even further to... First, it was to save Vision with Westview and to hold on to that. And now we're going, she wants to save her kids. And what's going to happen with that from the looks of this trailer is going to be something like we've not seen in the MCU thus far. 
Yeah, so going off the point you just made about our kids, and we're going to do a WandaVision uh, look back in a couple weeks. Folks, at the end of the show, we'll go through our upcoming schedule. It's going to be exciting. But, Peter, like, let's try to look at this. So Wanda wants her kids, right? She's searching through the multiverse, and that's obviously what is going to make her go after America Chavez. Because America Chavez, as we see, she can punch holes in multiverses, and that's like a way of transportation that Wanda can't do. So she's trying to find her kids, though. Where do we think? So I guess it's obvious, right? The kids are just from an all, a, a different universe, and she brought them there in WandaVision. And yeah, so she's I, going to be looking for that specific version of those kids that remember Westview? Or is she just going to find two kids that look the exact same and don't remember all that? I don't think she's going to find just two kids. I think it's specifically those kids that she brought into her Westview reality. Because, you know, at the end of WandaVision, she can hear them somewhere out there. So they are out there. Or is there. that a, just a trick? That's like, I mean, that is point. If we are going with, trigger warning now, Mephisto of it all, which is allegedly supposed to be a post credit scene somewhere along the line, we, someone is playing, but I think, I think at its core, yes, Wanda's motivation is to find her kids, but I think Wanda is being played at the same time. Mm -hmm. Similar to how she was in WandaVision. She can be the big bad and be being played at the same time. Like she can be the big bad of this movie, but beneath this or behind everything, Mephisto is pulling the strings. That still that doesn't take away from Wanda being a villain. So I'm fine with that. And I, I think it adds to it, in all honesty, because you're able to see someone who's just so blindly trying to get to this goal that they're not even seeing what they're becoming, which as the trailer shows, she's going to take a physical transformation as mm -hmm. well from mm -hmm. the effects of the Darkhold. So it's it's going to be one hell of a journey for sure. Yeah. So a question that you just brought up. Uh, so we're seeing the zombie Wanda, right? Very reflective of the Sam Raimi style of movies going through like the eyeball. Um, and I have a few questions about this because I think one of the versions of quote unquote zombie Wanda will see Peter is one that kind of like like degenerates. I don't know what the right word for it is that one that kind of falls apart the more and more they're connected to the dark hole than that dark magic. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But then part of me thinks I think we're also going to see the zombie Wanda from what if. I definitely feel like what if is going to be fully integrated into this show in a way that maybe if you were watching it back when it first came out, you were kind of like, is this really going to be important to the overall MCU? But even the poster has glimmers of what we can see from what if. So I think, again, if you haven't watched what if now is the time to make sure that it's you've great watched too. it and you're versed on what's going on because yeah, the zombies were a highlight of the series. So and the Dr. Strange episode was fantastic. I need to I think that was that. yeah, and that again, that's super integral to this movie. So, variants of Wanda, I think, is it goes without saying that we're going to see that, and I think that's going to play into part of why she does start to lose it essentially, because there are those rumors that the kids aren't even going to recognize her because by the time she gets to them, she is so fully degenerated, mm -hmm. as you said, from the possession of the Darkhold. Which is exactly what we saw with Doctor Strange in What If, which I'm just glad they're tying it all together. And that just means for the future, as they do more and more what ifs, we know that it's important. And it's kind of like maybe like a like a testing ground, you know, Peter, for some of their ideas they want to throw. So I'm excited for that. 
I can't believe we are eight minutes in and we have not mentioned this yet, but we're patient gentlemen. Uh, Charles motherfucking Xavier. Professor X is back. I yelped. I I yelped. I screamed when I saw it. It was pure joy. Unbelievable that we're getting Professor X played by Patrick Stewart. What a treat. He is going to be involved in the Illuminati. We see that scene. Before we get deeper into the Illuminati, I would just like to say that if Charles Xavier is the first mutant technically that's introduced in the MCU, like if we kind of Quicksilver and Wanda, they didn't really call them mutants. I think it's perfect, giving us Patrick Stewart to see. And I think that it adds a level of hype to this movie, similar to Spider-Man. And it makes me think that the fact they really revealed this in the trailer, Peter? What else are they going to have in this movie? Because they didn't just give away the biggest surprise. There's other shit that's going to happen. And I am so, so, so stoked that we're getting Professor X. Finally, Peter. Finally, the X-Men. The X-Men, Peter. What were your thoughts when you saw that? So my thoughts, of course, I had the exact same reaction. I yelped. Thank you for putting a word on the sound because there was a sound. It was that a was yelp. Made. It was a yelp. <laughs> it was perfect. It was it was super rad. I did see online that there was rumors that he's not Professor X from the movies, but Which rather even Professor, better. Professor X from the animated series. Canonize that shit. Let's go. So if we do that, then I'm fully on board because you know I'm and the X Men has been imperfect thus far. But and then there's this I so because my brain goes to all these different places, it's like amazing to see him, but then it's like, is he gonna survive this movie? Because Probably you know not. I don't think he because it, later in the trailer you do see Wanda going to the Illuminati headquarters and basically destruction galore mm-hmm. there. So yeah, to I mean see that, it's Wanda a, Sorry, it's a big no. <laughs> question mark of with all these cool uh Illuminati characters characters being introduced is i think they're all going to die and i think that there's like two things that can happen from this right you can have um i think dr strange will be somewhat influenced by this illuminati that he meets and he will after the destruction of this one reform his own in our mcu universe i think that would be really cool um and i think what they can do is let's say a certain person they really don't want to kill or something. They can bring him in in a variant role to the new Illuminati, if that makes sense. Um, let's let's go through Peter, who we think this Illuminati team is going to be. Uh, we got Charles Xavier. Um, I'm pretty sure Mister Fantastic is one of them. I and I honestly, I need it to be John. I don't think it will be John Krasinski. I don't think I it think will be either. It's going to be the dude from, it's going to be Ian Grafford. Is that his last name? From, yeah. Shout out Miles Teller. Never considered. God, that, would, that would be no, no, just no. But so yeah, I think it's him and I'm cool with it. I'm fine with it. If I see, you know, OG Fantastic Four in this movie, you know, and they're given a redemption of sorts, why not bring mm-hmm. him on in? But, um, and I think obviously we're going to get Maria Rambeau yeah. as as one of the members as well, because I did see online, there was a speculation. Is it Tom? Is it Maria? And it's all of the leakers, spoiler pe- critic people are all saying it's Maria. I've seen I the 4K images too, and it looks like it's her. So, I, I which th- is rad. I think it's both. I think it can be both, because here's what I'm saying. 
I think it's it is Maria, but it confirms Tom Cruise's Iron Man in the same way. Because oh, if yeah. you look at that zoomed in thing on Maria, it really looks like I am willing to place a big bet that all the members of the Illuminati in this multiversal thing, probably besides Professor X, are given superior Iron Man like type suits that uh, Tom Cruise's Iron Man creates for them. So that's like that is Captain Marvel. But the reason that we're saying, oh, it kind of looks like Iron Man is because this superior version of Iron Man that succeeded in putting a suit of armor around the world. Exactly. And he has he's supplying them with more uh, protection, kind of like the Avengers suits that we saw in Endgame when they went back in time. What do you think about that? I think I think that's a valid theory. I think the fact that we are seeing this sort of discussion already is, again, building the hype in a way that we saw build for No Way Home, where it's like you knew things were coming, but you weren't sure where they were coming. So this is laying the groundwork and laying the groundwork for what the storytelling capabilities of Marvel going forward are going to be, because if we're really digging in deeper into the multiverse, you are going to have these variant Captain Marvels. You are going to have Peggy Carter, who I believe is another member of our Illuminati. Oh, yeah, she's going to be there. On the poster as well. I mean, if you're going to put that big of an Easter egg on the poster, it's going to have to have ramifications going forward. And I think we it also got confirmed, Peter, on uh, Twitter that Balder the Bra- not Balder the Brave, excuse me, Black Bolt um, from the Inhumans show that I never watched. He is going to reprise his role. He'll probably die. There's been rumors of Balder the Brave, like Thor's brother from a different universe that might be there. That would be interesting. Um, it's just it's just showing that Marvel's fully saying these are all our toys and we're going to play with every single one that we can. And. It's this is how you do multiversal right, DC. Yeah, seriously. Um, one thing I want to bring up is this is like a, a prayer. I want this to all be an elaborate like prank by Kevin Feige, or not prank, but misdirection, where all we're talking about is Tom Cruise as Iron Man, right? How sick will that be? Blah, 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 blah. And we see all the teases of the Ultron bots. Everyone's talking Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise. And then we are in the theaters at Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And Iron Man turns around. And it's Robert Downey Jr. That is what I want. I want that surprise. I think it's possible. I really think it's possible. The place would lose their fucking minds. If RDJ, you think the Toby and Andrew pops were big times that by a billion. If we, if it turns around and it's like, oh my God, Robert Downey Jr.'s back times it by a trillion. It would be unbelievable. Don't you want this now, Peter? Don't you need it? I need it. Yes. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it's like, yeah, it was like we said, it's, it was amazing to see. And it is every time you see Toby and Andrew come on the screen, it was amazing. If we see um, Tom as Iron Man, it'll be cool. If we see Chris Evans comes back as a human torch, that'll be rad. But to see Robert Downey Jr., who had the perfect send off, it was perfect. It's like he doesn't and need it's to, not messing with it. He though. does because it's, it's a variant, uh, you know, yeah. so it's not fucking with that story. It would be, uh, it would, I think people would stand, I, it would just. He is the most iconic superhero ever. Yes. When and he, he's, he's the groundwork for this entire 
universe. Without him, this wouldn't be happening. And I just think if think about it, exactly what you just said. He's the groundwork of this universe. Feels like a missed opportunity if you're going to use the entire multiverse with all these different variants. And the most important dude in the history of the MCU, there's it's like not like I just feel like, come on, you got to put Iron Man in this. And maybe they don't. And they're saving him for uh, Secret Wars. Which is I'm okay with as long as there's that hope out there. I like having that hope. I don't like Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise is good at being Tom Cruise. So therefore, if you see a Mission Impossible movie, they're a good time. Are you? But if you if you see Tim and Top Gun, it's a good time. But it is playing. Tom Cruise is playing Tom Cruise in these roles. Like the it's rock. not. It's not something revelatory every time it comes on the screen. It's it's cool, but it's not. That would okay. be what a pop that would be if it was fucking RDJ. My God, Peter, that's insane. I think it's possible. I, I, I'm not like saying I think it's going to happen for sure, but I do think like I think there's just as good a chance as RDJ showing up as Tom Cruise. Yeah, I could I could but I can I can jive with that. So um, what else do you want to go through in this, Peter? Is there anything else on the Illuminati we want to touch? I feel like we went pretty in depth on that, um, but it does really quick. It seems like. Wanda is a ta- you mentioned this earlier. She is attacking that compound. Um, so I think so. If the way if I'm seeing this correctly, I'm thinking if we're looking at TV spot trailer, everything it's looking like maybe Doctor Strange or the Illuminati get America Chavez to the, the Illuminati compound because Doctor Strange gets like arrested and put there by Mordo. 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 Yeah. Thank you. So if that's the case, you know everything's kind of leading to this place but at the same time it's looking like from the trailer that we're gonna have multiple set piece battles throughout the movie just from yeah. the looks of it alone there's just so much going on but i think the wa- and i think the wanda in the compound is not going to be the grand finale battle either neither do i i think that's like a middle of the way maybe like if we compare that to the in spider-man no way home the fight at uh happy's apartment yeah similar to that um <sighs> What's really exciting about the Illuminati and what is uh, why it's such a good tool, I guess, for the MCU to use is what they're doing. If they can fill it with the correct members, right? Charles Xavier from those either the X-Men animated or the Fox movies, as well as this Fantastic Four and some other characters. What you can do with the Illuminati is it's like the Avengers, but they all get to bring they can bring five friends each. So you have this big like when things really matter, we're gonna have like twenty people versus Wanda, and we've seen some of the rumors, like potentially Jessica Alba, potentially uh, Sophie Turner. Like, there's a lot of uh, rumors of that, and that's why I think the Illuminati going forward is. I could see a way that it becomes the Avengers movies, because the Illuminati, like the big events, the Illuminati all bring their people. I don't know. Well, I think too. I think I think what we know and love as Avengers movies are going to be wildly different than what we've seen thus far. I don't think we're gonna. We can't. It's not going to be the same type of situation because now that you have these movies that are more fleshed out, and you are having people like Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor: Love and Thunder, you are having these crossovers happen that are happening in regular movies. So I think it's becoming more comic book like and less event movie like so the structure of how these movies are happening is changing 
And to your point with the, the Illuminati each has their friends they can bring, I think that really is an organic way of, cre- of showing the different worlds in a way that works. And again, you're all facing off against Wanda, who is ultimately finally going to get to flex some of the power that has been oh, yeah, used and led on to. I mean, you watch mm-hmm. Endgame and you see the scene where she almost beats Thanos and you know what's going to happen. So there's all these building blocks there. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what you think about the line where Wanda kind of tells Strange that uh, Vision looked into the multiverse. What, what do you think? Uh, I mean, that's a very broad statement, but what did you think about that? I think it's I think it's I think it's a piece taken from a larger statement, obviously, because I think there's more to it. But I think it just it, it calls back to Vision. I think Vision's always been a part of her story. And I think that she does know more about it than lets on to him. Because then if you remember in Westview, she was constantly lying to Vision, too. So it wouldn't be mm-hmm. surprising that she's misdirecting Strange as well. Since Oh, she's I, definitely doing that to Strange. The entire scene is an entire misdirect from the first trailer. Peaceful Wanda in a farm, chilling. Yeah, just, break know, this down. Break this down. Gardening. This is great. So in the trailer, the original trailer, Wanda's at this farm. Everything looks peaceful. There's like blossom trees and something that's just super chill and yeah strange comes to see her and he's like and she's like oh you're here about westview and he's like nah i don't need to talk about that because obviously strange cares about strange's problems yeah but then when you watch this trailer you see another scene and everything is completely the opposite strange is still wearing the same clothes but wanda's in full scarlet witch mode and she delivers this line that just is very wandavision theater is going to be amazing to hear that line yeah, um, it, it's what it's just great because you see, like, Wanda's basically creating this illusion that she's in this beautiful, like, field, like, with the trees, like you mentioned. And then it's really all just an illusion. She's surrounded by chaos magic. All the trees are dead. And I thought it's really – it was a great point by you just now about how Strange only cares about Strange's problems. Because that's true. And it's funny, though, because he's going to talk to Wanda and he doesn't care because he doesn't think it's her his problem. And, then, like, halfway through the movie, he's going to realize, oh, shit. Wanda's the problem. Wanda's the one who's doing all this. Like, so I, I think that's a good point because there will be that. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, Peter, is Vision. Besides him mentioning the multi, like, besides him mentioning the multiverse, do we think we're going to see him in this movie? Like the white Vision, other than flashbacks, I think flashbacks. I, I think it's very likely we may see some sort of flashback to Westview with vision but this white vision we haven't got armor wars yet where i think that's where you and i thought we might see him next what do we think like any vision in this like a multiversal vision i think that 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 really question really speaks to how this movie will end because there have been there have been several different leaks and spoilers that talk about how this movie will ultimately end but if anyone's going to get through to wanda at the end of the day the closest connection would be vision that's who's going to get through to her who has gone through her because you could argue that Captain America was close with her. You could argue. I think if he got brought back a, a variant of Quicksilver, like the Aaron Taylor Johnson version, he could get through to her maybe. Yeah. So there's certain people, but I, so I think that if we're going to see vision again, it's either as a way to get to her or she sees that it's not really her vision. And in, and in her chaos, she takes him out too. Yeah. You know, it's really annoying that uh, RDJ and Chris Evans are gone. (laughs) Like, why can't they just always be those characters? 
Like, I'm sorry, Anthony Mackie. You're funny, but you're not Captain America. You're Falcon. It's it's hard. I mean, I think it's I think that's why that show was a struggle to begin with because those are the OGs. Those are the ones that you feel like would belong perfectly in these stories that we're telling right now. I know it's so weird. We're not getting them in this. Like Captain America would talk Wanda down. You're right, Peter. Unless we are, which is there are so many things that they have done in reshoots that are potentially could happen that are beyond the just the knowledge of people. And so if if we can see. Why not? If because I mean, RDJ is not going to be the one to talk Wanda down. Like that's not Mm-mm. she and him had too much friction. So are we? Is it going to be Clint? I mean, Clint could potentially show up. That would they be were wild. close, but I mean, ah, the potential, the possibilities for this are just because mm-hmm. it's because in order to the ending of this movie is going to have ramifications similar to how No Way Home reset the Spider Verse. This is going to mm-hmm. reset. The entire MCU. Where we go in the movies thus far. Yeah, this is, in a way, the Avengers 1. This is Avengers 1 of this phase, or this new era, of what's going to set the stage with, like, how it introduced Thanos and all that stuff. I could see that. Um, we see a Minotaur in this trailer. That was pretty cool. We'll get to see that. Um one other thing, though, we've kind of beat around the bush about the ending, what we think the ending is going to be, because no one really knows. I do think it's strongly, strongly possible that, like, Wanda dies. So, yeah, okay, so I, so I, so in my, in my world, my, pray, this is my turn to pray. <laughs> yeah. My prayer. <laughs> okay, let's, I'm okay with Wanda dying with uh-huh. quotations around it, you know, and, or this and or Wanda's lost into the multiverse or something of that fact as like a she, sacrifice, you know? Yeah, to sit to stop everything because I feel like that's a very highly potential thing where Wanda realizes like, oh shit, I've done this, this isn't working. Yeah. I need to help break this right. So she gets lost into the multiverse, which is fine. Okay, we lose Wanda temporarily. If this sets up the Children's Crusade storyline for Young Avengers, I'm in. Yeah, it's. It's tough for me because um, I think it makes a ton of sense, storytelling perspective, that Wanda would die after this. But that's kind of a problem that the MCU has besides, like, people like Loki. Like, you're finally going to give us this villainous Wanda, and then she's just gone? That would suck. Like, yeah, maybe have her get punished or something, but, like, I think watching a character like Wanda go fully bad and then remain and have to deal with the consequences of that and have people not trusting her. Like, I think that's fascinating and I really wouldn't want to get rid of her, especially with X-Men coming in. I think, and I don't think we would, I think Elizabeth Olsen is too critical now into this, into the fabric of what the MCU is at this point. I don't think they can afford to lose someone who has been turning out like some of the best performances we've seen in the MCU. So I think Wanda will definitely stick around. And I think that she will ultimately, like, I would love to see that arc, like you said, have her go through the distrust of her, the whole earn it all back. Because if we're going to really bring someone down to their lowest, they should have that arc, an opportunity to to come back from it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, we see a variant version of Christine Palmer, with uh, uh, who is a redhead at the... Uh, the Illuminati headquarters. 
a lot of people thinking that this will reveal to be Clea at, at the end of this movie, which is basically a love interest of Doctor Strange. Kind of toys with them. Can't really trust her all the time, but a love interest. Uh, so that would be interesting. Now, do you, uh, to that point, do you think it will be Charlize Theron or Anne Hathaway? Both names have been tossed into that conversation. Why? Why couldn't it just be the Chris, whoever's playing Christine? I Hall? don't think they would. I don't because I think they're going to keep that separate from what I've seen online. Then who is that variant? Oh, they can like change how they look. Maybe. Well, they're or... like they're possessed. It's like possessed, like the spirit possessed. Uh, person. Mm. So then you see it as blank. Char- Charlize Theron, Theron, whatever her name is, she'd be good. I'm sorry, I mispronounced that. She was at the Super Bowl. Saw that. It's amazing how many celebrities can and uh, local California politicians can hold their breath for the entire Super Bowl. Yeah, you well, really mask, gotta... the mask mandates are over. I thought LA Tomorrow. wasn't. Well, because LA County now, but it's the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I was just at a concert in LA, and what were masks for people? Yeah, so. yeah. I, when I saw the Stones in October, it was pretty. Like you didn't really have to. So we'll see how that goes. That's our COVID segment today. Um, <laughs> so now, Peter, let's talk Moon Knight. Unless you have anything else you want to get out about Doctor Strange. I mean, the, the only other two things that stood out to me was, like, we've touched upon that line, how, which kind of, I think, mirrors Wanda's journey in the MCU about how she, what she does, what she does, she's the villain. Strange does what he does. He's the yeah. hero, which echoes back to No Way Home in a great way. Because, again, he's been breaking things left and right. And he really hasn't had any consequences for it. And Peter got screwed. Mm-hmm. For now, for now. Yeah. Um, but also, Amer- I it was nice to see America Chavez in a way that she didn't come across as like annoying to me, or like she seemed more like, okay, I can get behind this hero. She is. Yeah, that's going to be the divisive thing of the film. I can already tell. People yeah. are either going to hate her or love her, and people will make way too big a deal of it. I think it'll be like it's such a small part of the movie. First. Like, why, why, why do we care that much? Okay, Moon Knight. I'm not going to go into as in-depth as the Doctor Strange trailer because it is Moon Knight. Um, I'm just going to throw this at you, Peter. Uh, what are you most excited for when you think about Moon Knight um, in terms of – in two two ways. I need two answers. In terms of the show itself, the character of Moon Knight, like what thing in that show are you most looking forward to? And then secondly, a tie-in to the MCU at large. What are you looking forward to in Moon Knight interacting with like what character would you think? I think I'm excited that it's according to at least what we've heard that it's going to lean into the dark side of the MCU. Mm-hmm. They're really going to get more of that visceral violence. We're going to get more of the un- mentally unhinged situations. I'm excited that we're having a sort a, a, re- a reintroduction to Oscar Isaac into the MCU after he was wasted in a Apoc- very... X-Men apocalypse. Yeah, that was a bummer. So it's nice to see that he's in this. And, and I like, again, that we're going into movies that are showing like what the comic books did so well of showing you how flawed and faceted these characters were and yeah. how they're not just like two dimensional. They're like, they've got lots of layers to them. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see sort of, I guess a comparable MCU Batman type vibe situation yeah. where it's just like the trailers have done a good job of that. And then of course I would love to see him interact 
I mean, the first person that comes to mind, I feel like because it's where it's set will be Hawkeye, but I don't know if that would really work. But I feel like the, the, the dynamic work. between those two would be fascinating. Because, I, um, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the thing I'm most looking forward to in this show is that I think it'll bring back, maybe not to the same level, but in a different way, maybe the same level, um, the mystery and the theorizing that we had during WandaVision. And a little bit with Loki, but more WandaVision. It was just so much fun thinking all week of what you thought was going to happen, texting you, talking on the pod, talking with everyone. WandaVision, everyone was watching, and there were so many theories. And I think that there is an opportunity with Moon Knight and this dissociative identity disorder where things are going to be confusing and we're going to have to piece together those puzzle pieces as an audience. And it's going to be really fun. And so I'm really excited with that. And then in terms of who I could see Moon Knight teaming up with, I guess this is a basic answer, like Blade and Black Knight, I think would be very cool. Um, I really want them to start using Black Knight more. I really, really want Kit Harington and more projects. So that would be great. Um, But one thing, I guess I'll pose this as a question to you, because I'm not really sure of this, Peter. It's going to be interesting to figure out Moon Knight's personality, I guess into ways of like, is he going to be able to interact with other people or does he not know what's going on? You know, like he, I, it's going to be interesting to see how they set him up at, throughout this series and after it as being able to be a team player. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think that's what's going to add that uncertainty is what adds to the character's potential of where they can insert him into the MCU. And I think that, by having Oscar Isaac play this role, they're going to really be able to ground it in a way that's similarly to how when you see Loki or when you see Wanda and they're doing different things that are different from their who they are at their core, it still works. Yeah. So I think that's what's really going to help create that when he does ultimately team up with somebody. But I don't think we'll see him team up with anybody until maybe a post credit scene to this show. That was my next question. I think you're right. Because I, I think part of me thinks this show, for lack of a better term, will be his like journey of self-discovery in a way where he gets more idea of who he is. But at the same time, that is an essential part of his character. So I don't think he's going to completely solve no, those totally. problems. But is it weird? I do expect like a better under- him to have a better understanding of it by the end of this, right? Uh, yeah, I think there will be a sense of ownership of his role in it, or at least of his, of who he is as Moon Knight going forward, but it's still going to be a process of understanding it. And I think that this, like you said really well, it's going to reintroduce the theorizing that we sort of lost along the way with Falcon, the Winter Soldier. And then with Loki, it wasn't as hard hitting as it was, like we said, with WandaVision. And I think this also, we got Kang right. We got Kang right. We got Kang right. I'm power broker, power broker. Yeah. Oh, God. I forgot about that. I won't say it. I almost brought up. I'm not going to say the names. I almost brought it up. But I think, I think that this, the fact that we're pairing this one with um, She-Hulk, which is going to be wildly tonally different to Moon Knight, is, again, a step where we're seeing Disney Plus again being the, the breeding ground for these experimental type shows that are going to feed into the larger MCU as a whole. Yeah. Um, and I believe we're getting Miss Marvel in May. Can't wait. Can't wait. Just kidding. I can wait a while. Um, 
Okay, Peter. I would take Miss Marvel over season two of Boba Fett. No. Okay. Because what we know about Bo- Boba Fett is that he'll probably not be in much of it. So maybe we'll get some more Mando. <laughs> okay, I guess that's a good point. Um, and that's a good reminder. Uh, we're doing a Boba Fett pod later this week. This Doctor Strange trailer, though, took precedent. I think you people will understand. Um, Peter, anything more on Moon Knight before I kind of give the listeners a little preview of what's to come on the Pineapple Couch? I'm ex- I'm very curious to see how the general viewing audience will accept or reject Moonlight because it is it is a darker show and it is going to be like something where you have to come you don't have the pandemic to help bring you into it similar to how WandaVision was able to bring everybody in because we were all everyone was locked in so they were like let's check this out but here you have the world is opening up more so it's going to take a little bit more I think for people to get on board to this one mm-hmm. they're going to need to. They can't slow burn the beginning of the show. They got to give us something in one of the first two episodes that really catches everyone's attention because Moon Knight is a relatively unknown character. Um, Okay, everyone, you should be very excited if you're a Pineapple Couch fan because we've got a lot of fun stuff coming your way. Um, Obviously, you're listening right now to the Doctor Strange and Moon Knight trailer breakdown. Um, Later this week, we will have a Book of Boba Fett finale breakdown and look back over that show. And then next week, we'll be introducing something new that we're going to try and do as much as possible, which will be a live YouTube show. So basically, it's the exact same thing Peter and I are doing right now, except it'll be live on YouTube so you can watch us stutter a little more. And then hopefully, the more and more we do it, we can get you guys interacting, asking questions, and we can format it and take it from there. So the Pineapple Couch on YouTube, be sure to check that out. We're going to be using that quite a bit, bit. and we're going to go back to uploading pods on YouTube as well. Um, and then later that week, so around February 24th ish, this is all the dates are kind of up in the air, but around this range, we're going to take a look back at WandaVision to help us get ready for Dr. Strange, re binge that entire season, and then have a big pod talking about it. Um, and then the week after that, we're planning to go live on YouTube again. It'll be a weekly thing. And right now I have just various topics listed for it because we're just going to be reacting to like the news of what's coming out on those stuff. And it'll basically be like a podcast as well. Um, And then on March 7th, uh, the Batman live podcast, uh, that movie comes out March 4th. Peter and I will get a chance to check it out that weekend. And then we will go live and talk about what we liked from that movie, what we didn't like, and hopefully what it set up moving forward. And then in the month of March, Peter and I are going to pitch to you guys our spider-man 4 we're writing a sequel to no way home um and we will explain that probably over two pods of what our story would be and how we would do it and if we have fun with that that's just the beginning we'll probably start doing a lot more stuff like that um and then when we get to the end of march we're obviously going to do a moon night preview before that show starts and as well as on march 31st the day after moon night comes out peter and i will that morning break down episode one of moon night for you all and then after that I have nothing written down, but we have we have Doctor Strange, we got Kenobi, and I'm sure many more things will jump out at us. Peter, your thoughts? My thoughts, my thoughts, my thoughts. Um, the schedule is amazing. I mean, if you had a chance to listen to our pod a couple of weeks ago when we went off the rails because Boba Fett, we just had so much to talk about with Boba Fett, we decided to take a hard left turn and talk about the world and our perspectives on it, whether it was music and TV, that was a blast. And, and I'm sure so that will you... be on the live streams, don't you think? Oh, yeah, that's what, yeah, so I think that's a good way. If you want to know what the live streams will be like, listen to that episode and that'll give you a mm-hmm. good sense of it. 
obviously I'm so excited to see the Batman, you know, I'm just very excited to see that. And that's sarcastic, but I feel like you're excited to see it. I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm more excited than I was when the trailer first came out. So there is that sense of excitement now. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's not MCU, but again, it's, it's, it's Batman who's, you know, OG childhood. So Uh, what if I gave you the option? All right. Let's say Moon Knight, the six episodes or whatever it is, is about three hours, which is probably the length of Batman. Would you rather go watch Moon Knight than Batman? I'm way, I would choose Batman 10 out of 10 times. No, yeah, I would. Well, Batman has a familiar property and Batman's got promise and Batman's got potential. So, yes, I will definitely do that and I will check. So, I'm looking, so yes, I'm more excited than I was for Batman. I am now more excited okay. for it. So and I'm so looking forward to that. Let me guess then. The two things you're looking forward to this year more than Batman will be Doctor Strange and Thor, correct? Well, of course. I mean, Thor, Love and Thunder, giving Taika doing another movie, mm-hmm. Thor, Natalie Portman, Redemption Arc, all of the, the guard. Oh, yeah, the I'm Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas yes, special? That'll be that. great for you. You'll love that. I was, was going to say something positive about the Guardians of the Galaxy. But I was going to say I'm even looking forward to them in Thor, Love and Thunder. Because it's, I like the dynamic of Thor and Star Lord. I like that. So I am looking forward to them there. I am a much more positive person about the Guardians of the Galaxy than you are about the Eternals. Yeah, I, I'll admit that. I don't want to see the Eternals anytime soon. Um, I don't think the. I guess we'll. I'll end it with this question, Peter. Are we getting an Eternals reference or a Thanos reference in Doctor Strange? A Eternals. Thanos reference we'll get because of the snap. You think we're going to get Eternals? In? Mm-hmm. They're going to they 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 weren't just a one off. They're going to be integrated in throughout the MCU and I would not in all honesty, I could see an Eternals reference in Moon Knight. Yeah, that's a good point. That's why I think uh the Black Knight makes sense there too because I mean, maybe he a... could go ask him for help to go find Cersei. I mean, I could see that. Interesting. Interesting. They are kind of lost in space at the moment, so. They are. Um I really can't wait for that sequel. It's going to be so much fun. Um, (laughs) okay peter a pleasure as always we'll talk to you in a couple days when we do the book of boba fett finale so excited yeah i mean there that finale a lot of highs and a lot of lows we'll get to that um it was a finale i would put it on par with falcon and the winter soldier type of finale yes with higher highs i agree i agree i agree completely actually there's a lot of teaser yeah um well yeah it's been a pleasure thank you for everyone to listening to the pineapple couch hope you're having a great week happy february peter talk to you next time god bless uh we'll be back in a couple days see you guys next time